Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Tom Wells here. Today is Monday, June the 11th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Your first daily dose of happiness for the day and for the week. Your first daily dose of happy for the week. And we're off to a roaring start here. Uh, we just had nice weekends for both of us, and we hope you did too, uh, because you are our favorite fans in the world, and we love having you join us every day and every week. So, you know, please continue to do so because we just enjoy doing this for you. And plus, we just like doing it, period. It's just fun. You know, Tom, I mean, this is like yeah. this is like uh, life candy to do this this podcast every time. It really is. It really is. This is the kind of work that I like. I would like, you know, to get paid for just to come on and talk every day. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, all right. <laughs> but um, no, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, just talk about things that really interest me that are really the things that are most up for me <laughs> yeah yeah well i can tell just from the sound of your voice you had a good weekend it was it was a fun weekend just because you're you're so up i mean not that you're never up you're usually up but you're particularly up today <laughs> oh you could tell i can yeah. tell i can hear it well, i can hear it in your voice yeah, it's yeah. A vibe isn't it it is yeah no it was a very incredible experience to uh to go through this transformation that i ordered up <laughs> from the universe from myself really of course you know um you know that's what the show today is about relationships and uh how do you know when it's time to go when your the relationship is not really working and how do you know when it's just something you need to go deeper into in your own self and and understand better the game you're playing with yourself and with life and then you find that the relationship actually is is the perfect relationship for you. And I had that experience this weekend of going through that whole transformation, which <laughs> I've been going through a lot in this particular relationship I'm in now because it, it keeps having both sides, you know, like the the really amazingly good stuff and then things that, that sort of scare me and make me think maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> this is a little weird. Um and or, you know, maybe I won't get what I really need in this relationship, but there's so much good, you know, that it's just like, how could I ever turn away from this relationship? <laughs> and yeah. uh, I have this really strong thing where I don't want to compromise because I, I learned this thing years ago that compromise is really not what you want. You, what you really want is is to have the relationship that you really want. Mm -hmm. So so what is this thing when things aren't the way you want them, you know? So what do you do with it when you're right in the midst of that, that's happening in the relationship, you're feeling it really strongly. It's, you know, kind of pushing your buttons and you're feeling like, God, you know, I don't like this. Um, this scares me or whatever. Um, how am I going to tell this person that this isn't going to work out? <laughs> you know? yep. And then go from the, that extreme to complete opposite extreme of, you get inside your vortex, you hang out with that person, and you find out that, oh, man, so much of this stuff is just my stuff. You know, mm. it's just The fact that I feel backed up because I'm looking for external conditions to make me happy, and I'm not looking to my own vortex of my own inner connection to my relationship to myself, to my joy. Uh, to who I really am. And and when you get in that joy and take the emphasis off the other person being the one who has a whole lot to do with my happiness, 
and my happiness is really, really coming from within me, mm-hmm. I notice that, wow, all kinds of things fall in place in the external world. You know, this is true in any, I suppose, anything, whether it's health or wealth or relationships, you know, whatever it is, it's like it falls into place when I'm in touch with my vortex. And that's the energy that I'm sourcing. And uh, so I really had a really powerful lesson in that this weekend of almost wanting to run away from the relationship and then and then now more committed and into it than I ever could imagine almost. And it's like, it's, it's sort of like having the most ideal relationship that I could, I could never have imagined. <laughs> well, that's that something. Happen. I mean, that, that, that's an amazing uh, experience to have for the past weekend. I mean, that you, you just basically described an entire roller coaster ride. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a roller coaster ride. Um, and, you know, the thing is, like, Tom, why do you keep putting yourself on a roller coaster ride? Well, there's that question, too. I wasn't going to go there yet. I was going to give you a chance to explain some more, but <laughs> it does raise the question. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, we see in the past when things weren't the way I wanted them. I mean, in my dating life over the last three or four years, I would, as soon as I saw signs that this doesn't look like it would be what I want, then I'm on, I want to meet somebody else, you know, because I would, I never went out with anybody more than four times in the last four years, because I knew after three or four times, usually after one or two times that uh, I don't think this would work for me, or she, she would say to me, this isn't going to work for me, you know, um, and so then in this relationship, it was so completely otherworldly because this woman I can relate to on in so many ways that are transcendent. You know, they're, they like, they're not even in the realm of uh, like, is, you know, like looking at all scrutinizing all the little things, mm-hmm. but I was doing that anyway. I was scrutinizing the little things and the big things, you know, there's this, thing that Abraham talks of called taking score too much, (laughs) you know, and that is, that is when your, um, your mind just is evaluating, 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 because you think that the external condition will make or break your happiness. And, and I had that pretty strong in terms of relationship because there's things like, for example, how, how she looks and how she talks and how she walks and, what she's into, of course, everything, you know, like, is she, is she a person who's going, you know, I'm going to find great, great love with great, great uh, beauty, great satisfaction, great excitement, great fun, you know, all those things. I put a huge amount of expectation on the relationship, which is okay. You know, and I know that Abraham always says, go for it. We want you to go for the most one. They, I was reading this thing the other day. They said the most wonderful, 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 wonderful relationship that you can have. That's the that's what you want. That's what you should go for. Mm-hmm. But if but if it's depending on this other person satisfying this huge list of expectations that you have, then good luck, you know, because you have to have that that list going. If you know, or it's got to be going on with if inside you as to how much you're sourcing from your vortex, from your resource of source. And um, if you're if I'm really connecting in that way where I realize my happiness can only come from me ultimately. It's, you know, and so that's what I bring when I walk into my lover's, you know, condo, it's like, am I bringing a person who's really, really happy with their own self? Mm -hmm. 
and truly connected. And so that's what I'm learning, just the vast difference between expecting her to be the one that really fills in any gaps in my own love for myself, you know, my own enjoyment of what I bring to every moment, you know, because moment by moment, emotion by emotion, day by day, it's really up to me to be the source of my own happiness and to connect, you know, to, to the greater source. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because there's a very fine line that you've described nicely here between on the one hand, having your list of things that you want to have. And on the other hand, making yourself dependent upon somebody else to provide those things to you. Mm -hmm. Cause on the one hand you're saying, this is what I want from the universe. On the other hand, your happiness as you're describing it that way isn't dependent upon you. It's dependent on what somebody else is or does or, or becomes or whatever. And exactly, you know, so, so you, you've turned a, a potential great win into a, a potential great loss. And then now it's okay. Well, which way am I going to go on this? Am I going to relax a little bit and feel good? Or am I going to continue to feel obstructed and tense and frustrated because I'm not getting what I want because the other person isn't giving it to me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when you're face to face with that stuff, you know, it, it is hard because, you know, you do care, you know, I care about, you know, how she, you know, does her thing. And, uh, and how does that affect me in the way I do my thing? And, and it's natural that I think that that would be that way. And so these external things do matter. You know, it matters like the house we live in, how we decorate it. I mean, to some people, it matters, you know, if your car, what your car looks like. Some people care. You know, they want a really nice car. Most people, you know, most people are way into appearances, I think. And, and uh, you know, they have... In fact, in relationships, there's often often that thing where you are wanting that person, you know, to be, you know, there's this old cliches, you know, you're my rock, you know, you're my reason for living, you're my no, anchor. That's, that's always a bad sign right there. When, yeah, when someone says really, that you're my reason for living, oh, boy, that's like a super bad sign. That's like, oh, geez, I have defaulted on all of my own responsibility for my own happiness. <laughs> But to the degree that I do it at all, you know, I don't call, I, I know really clearly that somebody can't be that, but in some ways, if I'm expecting her to be, to be something that, um, that I think I need and, and if she's not that way, then I'm, I'm hurt or I'm wounded or I'm somehow, you know, want to flee. I want to get away from her when she's not enough of what I want her to be. Um, and, and I know that, what I realized this weekend, I just have to completely free that other person and not expect them to be such a big part of my happiness, you know? And, and then when I turn that same attention towards me, like, well, am I, how am I feeling right now? Am I giving myself the best bubble bath I could, you know, am I really <laughs> taking really good care of my own heart here? Am I, am I sourcing from within myself? And if I am, then, what happens, ironically, is that if the relationship will either get better or it'll start to seem more, you know, like off base. And I think that's the sign whether to, to that relationship is really meant to continue or not. I mean, if you're at that point of evaluating, should I stay or should I go, um, is whether or not when I really am happy and doing my thing and and I know that my ideal relationship is in my vortex. It's, it's the, there's the most perfect, delicious, wonderful relationship is in my vortex. 
And therefore, am I accessing it while I'm here with her? Mm -hmm. Um, Am I accessing it when I'm on my own? You know, do I, do I know that, that life is definitely taking care of me and it's definitely all that's coming to me and it's all there. And when I'm in that place where I just have that incredible trust that it's, it's going to be, it's, it's here for me. And then I'm with her and it, and it, and I start to notice how good it is with her. Then I realize, Oh, well, this is, this is the relationship that I've been looking for. That's Isn't what it? was happening. Isn't it amazing that when we, when we rely on that other person to make us happy, to use the phrase, right? That's, it never mm-hmm. works. It always right. leads to, to disappointment. And when we get ourselves into that happy place, like you were describing, you know, when you, we get into that happy place and we're making ourselves happy and just enjoying being with the other person because we want to enjoy being with the other person, then all of a sudden, quote, they make us happy, unquote. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they make us happy. Yeah. It gives them permission to let their vortex self shine when it's just like, you know, you hear this extra happiness in my voice today gives you permission to let your vortex self out more. And I think that's the key to peace on earth. <laughs> the peace um, on earth. <laughs> well, I mean, if everybody's letting their, their, that connection to their higher self shine and they're really they really know what it means to plug into that connection to their higher self then it it gives other people around them that vibration so what they're emanate they're broadcasting a vibration of connection to source and when they're vibrating with that then it just gives other people permission to be connected to source like if you walk into a room and and um, people are bummed out about something you know and you you're not feeling that bummed out, you know, that like they are, and maybe they've been having a discussion amongst themselves about politics or something. And they're all like lamenting something or, you know, and then you make a joke and it lightens up the entire atmosphere in the room because it was just the right joke to be at just the right time. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, in a, in a way you've really just transformed the realities of all those people and of yourself. And, um, or more precisely, sort of, you've given them the opportunity to improve their own realities. Because that's yeah, really what it right. is. That, that's what you were describing. In reality, yes. it's, it's that since we all are in control of our own happiness at all times, all we're really doing is kind of, like you said, giving each other permission. We're saying, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Feel better. Come on. You can feel better. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like my partner said last night, she said, you know, the more time we spend together and the better it gets, she said, because it just keeps getting better. Then she said... I'm feeling this, all this stuff being freed up in me and I'm wanting to just do more fun things and to be more lighthearted and to go and be more expansive in my self-expression in the world, you know? And I thought, wow, that's quite exactly what I want to have happen, you know, because yeah. she's, if she's tapping into her expansiveness and more fun and opening up in ways that maybe she never has and things like that, then, then that just, totally is wonderful for me mm-hmm. you know and obviously if i'm doing the same thing for her then um she's like marveling at that and you know wow this is incredible how, how you're so happy you know she says that to me a lot you know she's looking in my face going god you're so happy and i go no you're so happy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're reflecting it back to each other you oh know, that's this, funny this ecstasy yeah it's really cool that's very funny translates into every area of life you know when i I saw your topic today i thought to myself 
I've never really had that difficulty. And, I, and I've been thinking about that while we were talking. And I realized why huh. that was. Because uh -huh. I never had to decide. No, that's not true. There was one time I did have to decide to end a relationship. Uh -huh. And But other than that, well, first of all, I wasn't all that successful with relationships anyway before I met Louise. Uh, mm -hmm. So, I mean, I never had to do anything to end any of them. They just kind of ended. They all just kind of fell apart quickly, you know. Um, from your side or their side or uh, Did everybody just tell you, get out of here? I, I, I think that people just, <laughs> in, in almost every case, we just stopped talking to each other. We just stopped, you know, we just moved off in different directions. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, the, that's the, a pretty good time, yeah. Well, there just wasn't a strong enough bond going on, I think. Yes. If the bond yeah. had been stronger, I could see where it would happen more often, that you might need to you know, evaluate and decide, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? What, you know, what's it about? Um, uh -huh. But I've also noticed that just not so much from my own life, because I've had one really, really successful relationship that continues to go on and a bunch that never really got off the ground. So I never had a whole lot in between anyway. But among yeah. people I know who have had situations where they were asking themselves, should I stay, should I go? I can't think of a single one yet. Well, maybe one. Yeah, I can't think very many. Let's say this way. Most of them fall into this category that in it's a, if it's a case where they really need to break up, they really need to move on. Inevitably, it was because one or the other person was either codependent or not really in it in the first place. Mm. Mm -hmm. I can oh, think of one, one that I'm not 100% sure of, and so I leave that open as a possible exception. But even there, it could turn out to be not an exception, which means mm. that it's not about ending the relationship or keeping the relationship. It's about what's going on in the relationship. You know, is, is it a healthy relationship in the first place? There are a lot of unhealthy relationships. Yeah, that's true. People, and people don't yeah. realize that, but they, but right. a lot of people get involved in unhealthy relationships. And yeah. it's it's almost never a one-sided thing. I mean, no. even, even in those cases, and I had a number of these, even in those cases where one person is infatuated and the other person really isn't attached at all, it's still an unhealthy relationship. Because yeah. one person is ba ba basically being attached without any reciprocation going on. And by reciprocation, I mean without getting any happiness back in their own experience. You know, so mm. you know, they're, they're putting out stuff, but they're not getting, they're not feeling happy. And so, you know, they, that's where the blame starts to happen and all that kind of thing. Not realizing, mm. of course, that they themselves are responsible for their own happiness. So, again, there, there's where the... Um, uh, the, un the unhealthiness is that they that person has in some way and I've done this there has in some way decided that this person is going to make me happy yeah no yeah. you're off to a bad start as soon as you say that right? <laughs> oh yeah right right looking for love in all the wrong places yeah yeah you gotta look for the love inside that's where it comes from first so and last it's the interesting thing yes you know I mean although you know in a way it's almost like that whole thing that was another theme of this weekend is that we are, we are reality creators. And therefore, in fact, I guess that was on our part, partially on our Friday show. We talked about that, but so we're the reality creator. <laughs> and so we can't, um, the people that are there in front of us 
we've attracted by our our vibration so we are creating that reality and if you want to take it deeper and and i do of course is that mm -hmm. that person is also the exact right person to be there at that exact right moment we did that whole series of relationship um podcasts on that you know reading that chapter out of abraham books book the little book getting into the vortex that it comes with the cd and the the whole chapter on relationship is basically saying that every single person that ever shows up in your life is the exact right person to be there at the exact right time. And they bring in a way, I think you could say they, they each bring a gift, you know, they each bring something to show us. And a lot of times a lot more than one thing to show us some reflection of ourselves that then propels us or teaches us um, a new thing about how we relate and what we're doing here. And we're all incredibly interconnected. And so um, when we're looking for this ideal person, this mate, this partner, um, <laughs> how did Abraham put it? It says, it says an engraved invitation is sent to every person that you meet. But I think <laughs> when it comes to somebody who's a potential partner, it's more than an engraved invitation. You know, it's, it's hand delivered and it's, you know, there's big fanfare and, you know, it's sort of like one of those old arranged marriages in India or something where, or probably a lot of indigenous cultures where there'd be a big ceremony around every aspect of getting together with this other person. And it's made, it's turned into quite a fanfare because it isn't a random thing to meet somebody who you can partner with, who you can truly be a soulmate, you might say, or a twin flame, you know, that whole idea of how that happens is uh, pretty magical. And so, I think that's why Abraham often says, don't easily leave a relationship. Don't, don't, once you're in a relationship, don't just walk away from it on a whim or because, you know, well, enough bad things have accumulated. I'm going to leave. They said, you, you, you want if you're going to leave, leave from a feeling of coming home, not from a feeling of fleeing. And um, because you're coming home to the fact that inside you, you're just discovering more what your real relationship is with you and you. And then that person that is the incredible complement to that shows up in your life. Or you start to realize it's this person I've been with and I just wasn't enough in love with myself to attract out of her or him the love that is the complement to my love. You know, that's the soulmate part of it. Well, exactly. I mean, any time that you're talking about leaving a, leaving a relationship and you're doing it from any position other than feeling wonderful be suspicious of your own motives. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. And and what are you attracting if you leave from that thing saying, I've had enough of this, I'm out of here. You mm -hmm. know, I can't take this anymore. Well, then do you walk away vibrating with all the things that you hated about that relationship, all the things that pushed your buttons? Yep. You know, and and often I have. I mean, I've I felt that way towards this woman I'm with now. And and then, you know, I just can't take it. And I even separated from her based on five or six things that just pushed my buttons and um, said, well, this could never work. And then I got back together with her and found out that at least three of those things were really not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm learning more about them all the time. But then and the other few things are still there, but they I'm watching them morph, you know, like yesterday, some of those things came up in our conversation and I literally was so lighthearted. I had just been sitting up in the mountains on my favorite 
river for like three hours. So I was really mellow and really an incredible place. And, and I just, every time something would come up that would kind of push my buttons with her, I would, I would just finesse a bunch of jokes around it and stuff. And I would, I would just like plunge into it lightheartedly, you know, to play with her around the issues Mm -hmm. and they just became playful. It became, she started, she was laughing like so much Mm -hmm. about stuff that before we've had really serious discussions, you know, like how she looks at world events and some things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, it was fantastic. You know, it was like, I I didn't ever really believe that, you could joke that much about these things that I was before taking so seriously, you know, well, if she believes that, then, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> like that just blows my mind. I can't take that. You know, I couldn't live with that. And, and now I was just seeing, Oh, this thing's completely malleable. It can completely be caressed and played with and laughed with and joked about. And she's into it. She's into joking and laughing and playing with it. Oh, and I was going, Oh my God, this, this woman is so versatile. She's so amazing. She's so flexible. She's so, much willing to be in an argument that's that's lighthearted and fun and and even serious sometimes you know because you know we, we we decided we would look at my judgmental side and we she even knows a great video that we're going to watch together to look at the aspects of me that she thinks are judgmental you know and i thought this is great i mean there was nothing i'd rather have cleared up than parts of me that are critical and judgmental you know and if i got that stuff going on then Let's name it. Let's get it out of the closet, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's so a funny it's, thing. I mean, we, we as human beings love to describe relationships as being something you have to work on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are very few people I have ever met who thought that relationships were easy. Right. And and yet, after again, I had two big extremes. On the one hand, I had the extreme of nothing working at all for years, mm-hmm. and then finding somebody and it worked great. So I went from, you know, ultimate low to ultimate high in, in terms of, of relationships. Mm-hmm. And from the moment that Louise and I decided we were together, which only took a couple months to figure that out, um, we realized relationships are actually pretty easy. Relationships mm-hmm. actually don't require any work at all. Mm-hmm. The only work yes. that's required is the work that you do on, our, on yourself. And we had both been doing quite a bit of work on ourselves before we even met. So by the time we were, we met, it was easy. Not because we needed mm-hmm. to work on the relationship, but because we'd worked on ourselves. We, mm-hmm. We'd improved ourselves. We'd gotten ourselves into a better place. We became, in a sense, better people. We became people who you know, somebody else would like to hang out with because it was more fun. <laughs> you know, wow. As opposed to where we'd been, say, even five years before that. Each uh-huh. one of us. Both of us. Uh-huh. And... and that's that's where I think the whole thing really goes off the rails in the first place for most people. The belief that you have to work on a relationship. You don't have to work on a relationship. Relationships don't need work. That's uh-huh. a fallacy. That's a, that, that is completely flawed logic because it assumes that the only way that the relationship can work is if you work on the relationship. Whereas mm-hmm. in reality, what's a relationship? A relationship is how two or more beings relate to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like saying, um, well, or- if, I, if I have a negative magnet and a positive magnet, in order to make them attract, I have to work on that magnetism. No, you just put them <laughs> next to each other. It doesn't, you don't have to work anything. They just snap uh-huh. right together. <laughs> there's uh-huh. no work involved. You know, there, uh-huh. there's, there's no effort involved. If, if, if one's a, a north magnet and the other's a south magnet, they will come together as long as they're in close proximity and they're going to stay together. It's not, mm. there is no work at all involved in that. 
The, uh -huh. the work is not in the relationship. The work is in the individual. Yeah. Right on. I agree. And that's uh, what I experienced this weekend. And it, it's like, I was ready on Saturday. I was kind of thinking, um, I was even having thoughts like, you know, maybe I'm never going to be able to have a relationship and maybe I don't really want one ever because I'm just not, you know, there's just nobody that I'm ever going to be. I'm too picky. You know, I was like, I was thinking, and cause it came up over the weekend that I was, is that I have this history of perfectionism. And so if I, if I'm really not able to heal that, cause it's this, this childhood wound that's so great that I can't even access how to heal it. Then, um, then I'll just, I'll just, no matter what, there'll be something that will make me, that will rock my boat too much and I won't be happy in the relationship and therefore I will be rejecting of this partner. And um, thinking that, gee, is that, am I just so strong that way that, you know, and I actually was sort of saying, well, if that's the way, you know, that's the way it'll be. And uh, knowing, of course, that it could change, but, but then, you know, to watch it totally transform on Sunday was pretty incredible um and it was all because of that what you just described you know just you, going you, within my own happiness you know just finding my own connection to my vortex and realizing that you know all these extreme ways of thinking are just that's what they are they're just um being out of touch with what the vortex really is very true by the way relationships are coming all kinds and all styles and all types one kind of relationship that's really important to us here at LOA Today is the relationship we have with our listeners. Because I've said it before, I'll say it again, we have the best listeners in the world. And I know that because we've talked to some of them, we've gotten emails from some of them, we've gotten various forms of contact, Facebook from some of them, and we found out just how amazing these people really are. So when I say we have the best listeners in the world, I, I really mean we have the best listeners in the world. People who have amazing lives, they're, they're, they're discovering things, they're working on themselves, they're improving their outlook on life, they're working on their own happiness. They understand, they get it. And they use LOA Today as a way to help them stay in that high-flying place or, or get to that high-flying place if they're having trouble. Um, it, and it's a wonderful thing. It's a great relationship because we're putting out your daily dose of happy, right? Every single podcast. And yeah. they're tuning in. Well, if you're one of the new listeners and you haven't uh, become a subscriber yet, that's how most people find out about each of the podcasts as they come out. It comes right to their smartphone. It just you know, automatically just loads in so that whenever they want to listen to the next episode or maybe they're going to do some serial listening, they're going to listen to a whole bunch of them in a row, you know, they can listen to them because they're right there. They don't have to go look for them anywhere. Well, being a subscriber is clearly a great thing to, to, to do because, I mean, our subscribers on average listen to 30 to 45 episodes a month, so we know they love it. And it's so easy to do. So we want to invite you, if you're not yet a subscriber, to become one. Just go to the homepage at loatoday.net. You'll see the instructions on how to do it right there, right below the main player that you see at the top of the page. That's the player that you can listen to if you want to listen to a live broadcast, by the way, when we're actually recording these. And the schedule for when we do the recordings is further on down the page. But mainly, just start with that subscribe button and uh, get yourself subscribed. Share the fact that you subscribed it. And then just keep tuning in because we love having you guys uh, you know, be a part of our lives. Yeah, and I wanted to mention that Mr. Walt Thiessen has put together a book, which is really nice, called uh, Your Daily Dose of Happy. And it's it's uh, stories from 39 different authors who are law of attraction coaches largely who have written stories. And e each story was designed um, to be a lighthearted or a, a wonderful 
look into a successful event uh, with law of attraction, a successful episode with law of attraction and how it worked in that person's life in some really beautiful way. Mm. And uh, I was with my friends yesterday, my partner and her son and daughter, uh, well, her son and her son's girlfriend. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was explaining about the book and they were asking questions and they all said, God, that would sound like a really cool book to read. And I go, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, and then there's my partner goes, why didn't you get me a free copy? And I, <laughs> said, oh, I didn't know you're into law of attraction. You know? <laughs> she never says that she is per se, but, um, she said, and so I thought, yeah, well, I might have to spend two ninety nine and get one now. <laughs> <laughs> if I buy the ebook, I already bought the ebook once. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, well, actually, Amazon, I believe, gives you a way to, to share it with up to I think it's four or five devices or something like that, so you could actually share your copy. Oh, cool! I'm not sure exactly yeah, well, how I you do, do it, but I'll I don't do think that. Do if it. she'll if she'll read it, yeah, that's cool. She might read it, me read my story, but <clears throat> I think my story is a little bit of a bummer. But no, I guess it's good. I mean it. It definitely it was a uplifting to me that I went through that transformation. I just don't know if I captured it in my story as well as I would like to. Um, but you know, no, the story came out well. I mean, it, it came okay. out as a good story. Yeah. It was okay. uh, uh, ultimately you you got from point A to the point B you wanted to get to, and yeah. you know, in that's the metaphor true. that you used in the story, your boat was floating again. <laughs> yes, so. right, and that's that's a big thing. That's really what it's so, about because, I mean, the law of attraction is always operating, right? It's not like there, – there is actually no such thing as a story that is not a law of attraction story. The only difference here is that we were trying to point out how the law of attraction was working in, in particular stories because when you can see it happening, it's always easier to buy into it and to accept that it's actually there and that it's actually doing things. But, in fact, every single thing that comes into our lives can, comes in because of the law of attraction, doesn't matter what whether we went out to go get it. Doesn't matter. I mean, all of it, all of it comes into our lives through law of attraction. So every story in existence is a law of attraction story, really. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So to just when people can see it from that perspective, <clears throat> and people, of course, approach law of attraction without using the language of of Abraham or of any of these law of attraction teachers. They approach it from all kinds of other positions. They might yeah. be a well, yeah. psychologist or uh, a nuclear physicist or one of my favorite anything. stories in the book is the one that Joel tells. <laughs> Joel, of course, is a, not only one of our uh, co-hosts and a, a law of attraction life coach, but he's also a trained psychotherapist. And so he's one of the few who, who bridges the gap, who's got both the therapeutic side and the LOA life coach side. And the story he included of this kid codenamed Marcus, um, obviously we're keeping the kid's real name secret, but, what an amazing story that one was. This is a kid. I mean, I, I won't spoil the story. I'll, I'll give people a chance to read it. But mm. this is a kid who literally had every strike against him that you could imagine. I mean, mm. he he had basically been abandoned by his uh, drug fiend mom. His dad was nowhere to be found. His mom got arrested, thrown in prison, and died in prison. Oh, um, my God. He was in the foster care system. He was an angry, bitter kid. He had been uh, through all kinds of diagnoses. He was on like, uh, I don't know, a dozen drugs or something like that. Um, wow. He was, I mean, he was in a really, really bad place. And this kid, with a little guidance from Joel, did the most amazing turnaround 
you will ever see. And he did it because he grasped the fundamentals of the law of attraction. He realized, basically, Joel helped him understand how he was empowered. Mm -hmm. And the kid, <laughs> this kid was like, I don't know what his age was, like nine years old, 10 years old, something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This kid fired his psychotherapist. <laughs> fired yeah. his, not his psychotherapist, his psychiatrist. He fired his psychiatrist. Yeah. 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 And he asked Joel to come along with him, you know, for a little support to, to be there for it. And the psychiatrist was really upset that Joel was there. Really, really upset. And he kept saying, are you sure you want this man? Oh, yes. I asked him to be here. And then this oh, kid who, now this is after Joel had explained to him how he has the power and how, you know, he attracts everything and so forth. This kid went off and did a, a whole bunch of research on all the drugs he was on. And he proceeded uh -huh. to interrogate the, the psychiatrist about, Ooh. you know, well, why did you put me on this drug? What was yeah. what, what were the test conditions that led you to believe I needed to be on this drug? How have you been <laughs> monitoring it? And can you tell me what the interactions are between this drug and these other drugs that I'm on? And he was just hammering the psychiatrist with this stuff. Yeah. And the psychiatrist right. was going, uh, uh, <laughs> this is a nine-year-old. Right. <laughs> right. Right, right. Well, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, that's and and that's just like one know, piece of the story. The turnaround was incredible, just because this oh, kid got empowered, understanding how the law of attraction works in his life. Amazing. And sometimes people who are living on that raw, rugged edge of their own vulnerability to everything, and they're and they've been put into you know they've or they've created those situations in their life where it's that extreme. They're the most ready to hear stuff like this oh, teacher yeah. I had. This teacher I had from India for years, he used to say, the easiest person to tell about that there's something um, like this, this wonderful experience of knowing yourself from within, he said he thinks some of the easiest people to tell are atheists because they don't have some big spiritual concept about <laughs> how it all works and you tell them there's this experience and you show it to them and they go, Oh yeah, that's awesome. You know, that, um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And I say I, funny I because I, I kind of felt, I never was truly atheistic, but I was certainly agnostic. I had, yes. I had a lot of doubt. Let's put it that way. So I, I yeah. can identify with what he's saying. And I can identify with your story about the foster kid. Cause I, I recently have been, doing some coaching with somebody who has the same background and oh, really? he's more like in his twenties, but uh, I find in the exact same thing is that I can tell him a few things and he just eats it up. It's mm. like, he, it's like, you know, giving him, you know, Wheaties for breakfast. That was that breakfast of champions back in the day. Uh, <laughs> I think it still because, is. <laughs> oh, because it, you know, it just gives you everything you need for the whole day. And I feel like <laughs> I, I give him some, um, you know, some, some talking about law of attraction and all of a sudden he's going, Oh, so you're saying that this, this, and I'm going, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. You know? And it's sort of like, it's like revelation. I feel like, and that's how it was for me when, um, that's where my story came from. That's in the book is that I, I was so, um, distraught back in 2013 or so. And, you know, from, from my divorce and, 2010 till 2013 that was you know what i call the dark night of my soul mm. and i because i never had, had a period in my life like that where i lost you know my my home i lost my family i lost my job i lost um my health i lost my marriage i lost the house i had i lost half of my life savings so it all happened at once and then it took me a few years to realize how bad off I really felt because <laughs> mm. at first I had so much resilience that I thought, oh, I'll nail all this. 
but I didn't exactly. And then, but then um, when I, when I ran into the psychic who told me, you got to, you've got to check out Abraham Hicks. And I knew about Abraham Hicks, but I hadn't been into it since 2006, 2007. And now it's Mm -hmm. 2013. I had just sort of said, Oh, Abraham Hicks, that's just, you know, it's cool, but I'm not going to, I can't listen to her. She drives me crazy. You know, <laughs> how many people have that reaction? I mean, a lot of people do. A lot I have of a new, do. a new client who, who doesn't even want to listen. But mm. She, you know what, you know what she likes listening to the podcast. So really? Go, hey, he's talking about me. <laughs> well, hopefully she doesn't mind if she, I mean, she, nobody knows. Well, we're honored that, that she wants to listen to our podcast. I think that's a fabulous thing and just proves that we have nothing but fabulous listeners. So thank you for being a listener. <laughs> but, you know, everybody everybody has a way they can hear it. But when I, back in 2013, when I started listening avidly again to Abraham, it was like it was like revelation. It was a completely brand new person. And, and whoever I listened to in 06 and 07, it was like, I don't know who that was, but this is like, it was, see, at the time I'd been studying with a lot of shaman and stuff. And I, I completely literally was watching her in these live feeds and going, she's a shaman, you know, she's, she's some kind of a magical being, you know? And, and then of course, you know, the fact that she's saying she's channeling these entities that call themselves Abraham. And I'm going, this is every single word and paragraph. And I probably said this on the podcast before was changing me, changing me right on the spot. I, I couldn't take notes fast enough. And every Saturday I'd go to one of these three, four hour presentations of a live feed from some city in the United States where Abraham was presenting, where, where Esther was presenting. And, um, and that went on for months, for a couple of years. And it was just totally changing every aspect of my life. Everything I tried to use tapping, I tried to use, uh, energy psychology. I, I was using everything I could to get my stability, shamanism, you know, ritual, uh, so many different things, but, and they were all helping to some degree, but Abraham is like came in there and just swept the whole place clean. And all that I needed was to listen to what Abraham was saying. And everything that I was struggling with was getting addressed mm-hmm. in a really beautiful way to where it was like taking all the clutter out of a house, you know, like yeah. right now my, my house is available for my condos available for sale. And so I've had to make the whole thing look like just a staged house, you know, like, Oh yeah, my bed is just, that's just a prop, you know? And right. So cause I had to clean every single surface so much that there's no aspect of me much in the house, mm. except, you know, this, the furniture that I bought, but <laughs> But it's I love it because it's like it makes everything really clean and simple, and it takes away that just all the all the clutter that I often surround myself with, which isn't that much, but it's enough. You know, mm-hmm. it's definitely enough that it it complicates my life. I think. And well, we we provide looking, a lot of clutter in our lives, and it's, so it's not terribly surprising. Yeah. And you know, when you clear it up like that, of course, it's going to raise your aspect. It's going to, it's going to raise your positive positivity level and so forth. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that with with um, this kind of work. I think with doing this law of attraction work is that it 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 um, it clears the clutter of the the ways that we complicate our own lives when we have. That's the thing I like about channeled stuff. I find that it uniquely um, often goes to the heart of the matter in a very simple and direct way. Um, that's how that teacher I was with for 40 years from India, he, he, you know, I could go listen to him and his stuff wasn't always profound in the words. It was profound in 
the simplicity of it, of it, of his message and the vibration of it. And I could, I could walk out of a, our program with him and just feel like, Oh, he just solved everything in my life, you know, but it, it was because a vibration took place and it was like going up and sitting on the river yesterday for three hours. And just the vibration of nature, when I just let myself completely feel it and, and absorb it and get absorbed into it, it just brings me back home. You know, Joel Elson talked about recently about the fact that when he uh, was in a conversation with a friend of his uh, in the medical profession. I don't remember exactly what kind of professional he was. It may have been a psychiatrist, but I'm not 100% sure. But he was a medical professional who is extremely skeptical of the law of attraction. Uh -huh. And they were going back and forth about it. And Joel doesn't normally get drawn into stuff like that, but he got drawn into it with this guy for a short time. And uh -huh. the guy was basically saying, you know, well, you know, this this stuff's all in your head. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's just belief that you're, you're dealing with here. You're not dealing with any medical facts. It's just belief. And Joel uh -huh. said, yes, of course. It's all about belief. What makes you think uh -huh. that it isn't? What makes you think that there's anything in life that isn't about belief? It's all belief. Uh -huh. Everything uh -huh. is about belief. Yeah. And it kind of took the guy back. But, you know, it's really true. I mean, even science is about belief. As, as hard as that is for a scientist to, to appreciate and, and buy into, the simple fact is their belief plays a major role in it. And, and they know about it. They, science now knows about it. They know about uh, the, the uncertainty principle. They, they know about the observer effect. They know about, um, uh, what do you call it when, when you have um, placebo? They know about the placebo effect. They, they know mm -hmm. about these things. They're all belief-based. They know mm -hmm. they 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 have actually categorized them right. They've actually identified this is what this stuff is, and yet so many people dismiss it. They say, "Well, it's that's just the placebo effect." Oh, well, that's just belief. Oh, so that you know. Well, of course, it's, yeah. it's belief. I mean, why does acupuncture work? Because you believe it works. Why why does meditation work? Because you believe it works. Why why does deep breathing work? Because you believe it works. Why why is your body able to heal? Because you're laughing. Because you believe it will. It's all yeah. belief. Everything yeah. that happens in life is based on belief. There is nothing actually that we do in life that it doesn't have a belief attached to it, even if it's, quote, disbelief. <laughs> it's yeah. still about belief. It's all about I, belief. I think that can be successfully argued, as you just did. And, and it also has a component of experiential, you know, of experience. Oh, sure. And that... You know, and so the live experience of it then becomes a um, a memory, or a, a, it gets internalized in us that I've had that experience, and therefore no one could tell me otherwise. And I, I didn't, you know, they could say that, but I think what some people miss is they they often there. It's what you were just saying. There's a component of belief. There's always a component, I think, of belief. So that's what the point you're making. But there's also the component of experience. And so what some people argue is, well, belief without experience is not very well grounded. You know, it's, it's like you, do you well, want to live? I would argue just, that you can't have belief without experience. I would right, say that's not a go. possible thing. There you go. Yeah. So there's, I think that's the key is that if you're going to talk about belief, if I'm going to talk about belief, I think I also have to talk about experience. And I, I, I often notice this in working with clients is 
how much of, of what I'm telling them is, is words that I'm asking them to believe and how much am I offering them a way to have a practical experience of what I'm talking about so that it's not just words. And so a lot of times sessions become this evolution into more and more practical experience of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But there has to be, I'm finding there has to be a belief that it's possible, you know, before, or, you know, unless you stumble into the experience, and of course you never really stumble into anything. It's, it's all vibrationally choreographed. (laughs) Um, But, but on the other hand, you know, belief alone can get frustrating. I've had times practicing law of attraction where I, it's all of a sudden it just seems like a bunch of cardboard beliefs that are props, you know, like, Oh yeah, I'm believing this, I'm believing that, but, but where's the proof? The proof is in the pudding, you know, and have you, are you really tasting this? Are you feeling it in your bones? Are you, what's your heart telling you? What's your intuition telling you? And, but that stuff is so important, but the belief goes hand in hand with it. Right. That's what you're saying. Oh yeah. I mean, the thing that really turned it around for me that made it really crystal clear was when I heard Abraham define the word belief. They define it as a thought that you think over and over again. Yeah, right. I like that. And when I thought about that concept, that definition, I said to myself, wow, that has a lot of profound implications, far beyond the mere definition of it. Because what it means is anything we think about repeatedly becomes a belief. doesn't matter whether we, quote, pre-believed it or not. (laughs) It always turns into a belief. Even And this is the most mind-boggling part about it. Even if it's something that we distrust, we will believe in the distrustful thing being true. Mm. Think about that one for a moment. Think about it in terms of like your least favorite politician. And I can imagine who people are thinking of right now. <laughs> so th- think of your least favorite politician and look at all the things that this politician says that you just don't believe. And look at how, look honestly at how much you believe that he believes that. Look at uh, honestly how much you believe that that's really the course he's trying to take us on. You've uh-huh. bought into it even when you don't buy into it. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. That only happens when you truly understand what belief is. Belief is a thought you think over and over again. Yeah. And that's even things that. I feel psychology has been calling your subconscious and your unconscious. And that's the tricky part part with lots of people. I think that they really are simply recreating something in the present moment by what they're thinking. And, but it's become so subtle to them. This is how I feel about my own life. Anyway, it's become so subtle to me that I don't recognize that I'm simply resurrecting this, the way of believing, you know, it's a way of believing. And of course it can be based on past experience, but this thing we think is, is this hidden unconscious thing is us repeating something that we, we believe so strongly we've internalized it, but it's, but it simply is thoughts we're repeating in the present. That's exactly what it is. The, The other aspect of it that this is where it's useful. I think to look at the negative beliefs, The other aspect that we often get a little confused about is, on the one hand, believing in something 
Let's see. How do I want to express this? Whenever you deal with negatives, it's always tough. You know, you get double negatives and so forth. So you're trying to think, okay, how do I smooth this out into this nice, smooth presentation? <laughs> um, okay. If you have a negative belief and you focus on it a lot, so you give it power and yeah. you turn it into a stronger and stronger belief because you're thinking about it a lot, yeah. what you're basically doing is keeping it around. Uh-huh. Now, we don't normally think about it that way, do we? We normally think, well, I'm telling, I'm saying what it is I don't want to have around. Yes. I don't want that belief. And right. yet we keep focusing on it. It turns because out. We're keeping it, the vibration alive. We're keeping it alive. It turns out that the only way to truly say no to something is to ignore it. I'm really glad you said that because that's one of the main aspects of our podcast today on relationships is that if you're in a relationship with somebody, and you keep getting a bad interaction with that person or something that really pushes your buttons, what's, the, what's one way to deal with it is to ignore it. it. And I think that goes to what you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Or more precisely, it isn't even just ignore it because you can't create a vacuum. You have to replace it with something. So, well, yeah. So it, it's not just ignore it. It's like, I don't want to focus on that anymore. I'm going to focus on what I do want to focus on. Yeah, yeah, which is exactly what I did this weekend with yes. my part, with my partner. If something came up in the conversation that was something I didn't want to, I didn't want to give it energy. I I gave it laughter and I gave it humor and I gave it other things to just try to diffuse the intensity I felt around it. Mm -hmm. And it, and it worked to yeah. a huge degree. It worked to a huge degree. And, and look look at the way it worked. The way it worked is really interesting because. You can, I can tell just from the way you described that you were still focused on it, but you were trying to, you know, like slowly move it out of the way and you know, kind of maybe push it out of the way and let it be out of the way. But it was all still there in your consciousness. You were still aware of it until you finally allowed yourself to no longer be aware of it. And then it went away. Well, and also I, I was able to transform it by talking about it in new ways. Yeah, like, there you go. So, you, so now you change it into something other than what it previously was. Yeah, and and also put it into a more malleable state to where it's morphine. You know, like if you if you've got a bad thing going on with your partner, and um, you know you they just have something they do consistently that just pushes your buttons like crazy. You know, is it possible for you to be coming into that same room with that person when they're acting in that way, and and come as a different person because you're more in touch with your vortex? You know, I mean, it's it's one thing just to say, just to leave the room when they're when they're acting that way, or or just to try to ignore them. Um, Abraham was giving the example of how do children deal with their parents when their parents are telling them things the child doesn't want to hear? Mm -hmm. Well, they ignore them. They, you know, like why do why do you see so many parents saying, "You listen to me. You come <laughs> yeah, right. over. You know, and you, I told you to stop doing that." You know, and and the kid just keeps doing it is because they're really good at, at tuning the parent out, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and tuning into what they're interested in. And, and, um, and another thing that happens is when, when a person is acting a way like in a, in a, in a relationship that you don't want your partner to be acting that way, then you're, you're actually getting a huge, huge message to your vortex of what you do want. You know, that everything that we, that we don't want puts a huge investment of what we do want into our vortex. So it makes me realize that even if something's going on in my relationship that I just can't tolerate, 
it is sending a very strong rocket of desire that's launching into my vortexes and creating what I do want. And it's either going to show up with this person or it's going to show up with the next partner I have Mm -hmm. that I, I will have the thing that I, that I want. And the negative thing is creating the positive thing. So I just wanted to include that part. I, I, cause I think it's an important aspect. It is. It's very important. And by the way, as you're talking, I'm realizing there is a part of this discussion that explains why it is we don't connect with certain people. And that is the people we don't connect with, we see something in them that we're not liking, something uh-huh. that we're not enjoying, that we're saying, I really don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. And, and we don't hang on that thought. We just simply observe it and you know move away in some way. We either move away physically or we lose interest or whatever. But the point is uh-huh. we move away from focusing on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How interesting, because what that really is saying is the reason we didn't connect with that person is that person had their own thing that they don't want to work on, that they don't want to bring out into light and change it to something better. And so because of that, we wanted to stay away from them. Hmm. So really, anytime we connect, it's because the other person is, in our typical terminology, open, meaning that they're not tied to something that is not terribly fun to be around. And they're letting go of that stuff, and they're allowing their their inner, happier being to come out. And when we see that, then, oh, I want to talk to that person. That person looks a lot more fun to talk to. Yeah, it's it's very attractive to be around somebody who's connecting to their vortex instead of to their... um, they're conditional. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Something that's totally based on conditions, you know, that unless it's this way and this way and this way, I'm not happy. And then therefore you feel, you feel their angst, you know, and therefore that's, that's what turns me off. I don't want to be around somebody who's constantly feeling that unless something external is a certain way, they can't be happy. That's pretty hard to be around. Yeah, the idea, accept me as as I am, meaning accept me in my negative, unhappy state, is not going to work too often. <laughs> the only person mm-hmm. that's going to work with is, in a, is occasionally with another person who's in the same kind of unhappy state. And we can pretty much imagine how that relationship is going to work out. Yeah, and that's, and that's how a lot of relationships actually, there's part of that is there because you like it, like vibrations attract like, like vibrations. And, um, uh, one statement that Abraham said about it, they said, yeah, you can get together with somebody who's as depressed as you are. And then the two of you can knock around together in that depression and just multiply that depression, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or some other quality, you know, that's, that's, um, it's really not connecting to your vortex. It's more connecting to some condition that's um, really not healthy. We have seconds left. How does somebody reach out to you if they're interested in talking more personally about this stuff? And go to my website, which is yourjoy.com, Y-O-U-A-R-E-J-O-Y.com. And there's a page. You can sign up for a free coaching session with me and give it a try for an hour and um, see if you like coaching with me, if it's helpful to you in some way. Fantastic. Tom, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to talking to you on Friday. Thanks, Walt. Take care. Yep. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.